and welcome to Plot Trips. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Beauty and the Blacksmith by Tessa Dare. This was published in 2013 and it's a novella that is the three and a half entry in the Spindle Cove series. I really don't know how you're supposed to mention that. Yeah. All right, so the book jacket. Beautiful and elegant, Miss Diana Highwood is destined to marry a wealthy, well-placed nobleman. At least, that's what her mother has loudly declared to everyone in Spindle Cove. But Diana's not excited by dukes and lords. The only man who makes her heart pound is the village blacksmith, Aaron Dawes. By birth and fortune, they couldn't be more wrong for each other. But during stolen, steamy moments in the smithy, his strong hands feel so right. Is their love forged strong enough to last, or are they just playing with fire? I mean, it's a jacket. It's a, this jacket. Is a, it's a novella, right? Yeah. And Tessa Dare manages to squeeze more character, plot, and like conflict into this tiny book than I ever would have thought possible. Mm-hmm. But fundamentally, there's also not that much to say in a jacket that wouldn't be a spoiler no I will say that um we were highly inspired just as Tessa was by Aaron's profession when we wrote our own summaries hell yeah Meg what was your 17 word summary all right Aaron and Diana forged a connection is it a lasting alloy or will it succumb to fatigue so you went punts I like 100%? it. 100%? Yes. Yeah. I like it. Uh, mine. Diana uses her sickly reputation to seduce the blacksmith because she sees sparks fly whenever he smiles. So you went, Taylor Swift. <laughs> uh, yep. Next question. <laughs> so, this is not my first Taylor Swift reference in a summary. <laughs> It's, it is not. It's the first one. Is it the first? It's the first one you sang to. You, this is not the first summer you've sung in either, though. No, it's the first Taylor Swift singing I have done. Yeah. So there's there's always another first. Yeah. So there's there was some new new stuff there. Yeah. Uh, I mean the uh, big the big trope in this one is the different social class that they come from. Yeah. But for all that they are of different classes. They have both been into each other since the moment they laid eyes on each other, pretty much. Mm -hmm. They were really, the the strength of their bond was really cemented in a tragic moment that they both rose to the occasion, which I think Mm -hmm. is very tropey in and of itself. But they've both been like, they've had the hots for each other since before that. They both Mm -hmm. like, but oh no, this is a real problem when they went through that traumatic moment together. And, I mean, basically, Diana, so in the first Spindle Cove book, uh, A Night to Surrender, um, yeah, remember with Susanna and um, what's his name? It's just the titles. I'm like, Night to Surrender, A Week to Be Wicked. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going through the titles in my head. Don't worry about it. A Lady by Midnight. (laughs) Any Duchess Will Do. Four. Sure. Sounds good. Anyway, so in, the, in the first one, you may remember that there was a tragic accident um, and Aaron had to, as a blacksmith, actually part of your job is often to help like set bones and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and so he did that in the first book and Diana assisted. 
blacksmith surgeon pretty similar yeah and again if you remember in the first book they diana and her family came to spindle cove because diana suffers from asthma like pretty serious asthma all her life and um they have been in spindle cove now for like three years uh diana's basically over the asthma she's got it under control but she doesn't want to leave because she doesn't want to leave Aaron. But also, they came to Spindle Cove for Diana's quote-unquote treatment. But by, Diana had been raised as sort of the hope of the family that her beautiful face and dainty bearing would be the hope for her family to survive. Because her mm-hmm. father has passed away. And obviously, the only way women could support themselves is by marrying well. Right. But in book two... A Week to be Wicked, Diana's middle sister, Minerva, successfully bags a lord. (laughs) And so she's sort of set the family up. Yes. Yep. Uh, So there's some hurt comfort in this book. A little bit. A little bit. Not a ton, but a little bit. They're not injured. Correct. In the text. He's injured. He gets shot. Or no, excuse me, he gets knifed. Right. It's very minor, though, comparatively. It's very minor. But she stitches him up and... And then... That's that's the moment. That's that's really the moment where they're like, okay, we're going to make something of this. Remember? Yes, but what I loved about this book is that in some ways it felt very modern. Mm Mm-hmm. Because when they first, like, admit to basically having crushes on each other, they make the decision to sort of date and figure out if they like each other enough to, like, justify the social upheaval. Yeah, they're going to say, let's let's see how this goes. Right, like, I like you. I want to spend more time with you. I'm not ready to propose marriage, which is basically what would have been expected in the time. And so that felt very, very modern, and that scene where he gets knifed and they talk about their feelings for each other in the context of this hurt comfort scenario is what made me like, Oh no, this is still a romance novel. <laughs> it's like a day and a half later. Yeah. 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 Uh, hungry, but not for food. Stated in the text. Oh yeah. You must be so hungry. He's like, yes, I am. Come here. Let me kiss you. It's more like he, she says, you must be hungry. And he says, yes. And then he kisses her. Yeah. 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 That's it. Mm-hmm. She has several secretly kept keepsakes. Which we're just all about. We, like, love this stuff. She hides them in her trousseau. So cute. Which, like, yes, please, put his handcrafted trinkets in your underwear. Mm-hmm. Fine. So this is in our notes as desk sex, but Aaron doesn't have a desk. Yeah, uh, the equivalent of his desk is his anvil. I I find myself a little bit speechless because this is like really hot scene. It was the thing about this scene was it didn't break the mold in terms of like sexual acts. Right. And yet it seems so innovative. Yeah. It, it yeah. Uh, she breaks stuff so they can hang out because he's a blacksmith. So as Meg mentioned, that means he's a surgeon. That means he's the 
what's the word for the person who put tour shoes on dudes? Farrier? Farrier. He's the farrier, but he's also the person who, like, fixes jewelry and more delicate mm-hmm. metal work. And so she has a tendency to, you know, bang her necklaces in desks and smush them with rocks until a chain gives. <laughs> and he even is like, um, it's a little bit unusual for these things to break at exactly the same point in exactly the same way if it's an accident. Also, I usually do pretty good work. So is there a reason that you're breaking things and bringing them to me? Because I have theories if the answer is yes. And they all involve making out. Yeah. And luckily for both of them, that's what she's doing. Takes her a little bit to figure it out, but I dug it. It's fair. And then, yes, she has the marriage-minded matchmaking mama that we see in all of our favorite historicals. Quintessential one. Oh, yeah. Not the one that, like, breaks the mold. Not like a Violet Bridgerton type here. Not a one who gets, like, complex character development. No. And it makes sense. Like, it's justified. Tessa Dare is great at providing the social context of literally, like, your father is dead. Our solvency depends on you girls making a good match. Yes. Yes. Which I actually loved how that was handled. Mm -hmm. I love that Diana sort of knew she could pursue a blacksmith because her sister had married well. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Like she, t- her biggest concern in pursuing Aaron is how it will impact her little sister Charlotte. But any potential scandal caused by Diana running off of the commoner will clearly be mitigated by the fact that her sister married a peer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like Diana's freedom is tied up in the fact that Minerva married well, and granted she did it for love, not for like social climbing. Not yeah, not to not reason. to ensure the the future of her family, but but I just love that Tessa Dare doesn't let those things go unsaid. Yes, yes, agreed. Um, yes, I mean there's this whole part. I mean basically we'll get there, I guess, in sexiness. But the 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 whole thing in this book, it's it's not. I mean the name of the book is Beauty and the Blacksmith, so you've got a little bit of Beauty and the Beast here, right? he's not very he doesn't even conceive of himself as beastly though no he's not like tortured or beastly or anything like that he's just a big guy who works with his hands Mm -hmm. basically and she (laughs) lane is just like yes yes he is i'm I'm vibing (laughs) this sentiment (laughs) so it's not she doesn't like rescue him from an you know tortured past or anything like that but she's like the beautiful, angelic. She just wears like she wears china blue things. Like you can just see her as like the dainty, perfect lady. But and she's, she's named after the goddess of virginity and is yes. cast as a virgin martyr in the play they're performing. And mm-hmm. exactly. And and she's she's has grown up as being fragile and she hasn't experienced that much of life and things like that. Um, whereas he is, he is very practical. He's like very earthy, right? Uh, so they're, they're opposites in that way. But, uh, what the other thing I love is that they each have like the fantasy of the other one being like that. Yes. And we talked a little bit about this in, um, any Duchess will do how, remember how I said, like, isn't it funny how like, role-playing as yourself can be really sexy. 
Yes. That's like what they're doing here. They're sort of like, they're not role playing as each other, but it's part of what makes it so sexy is that they're telling the other person like you just exactly the way you are is what I think is attractive. And it comes to a head in this very wonderful sex scene toward the end of the book. Yeah. Where she comes to him in the smithy and he's, when she first arrives, wanting to talk to him is very careful to keep her out of like the muck of the smithy. Mm -hmm. And then when they both kind of cave and start messing around, she point blank tells him, no, I want you to like mark me with the evidence that I've She literally is like, make me dirty. Yeah. And it worked. Uh Uh-huh. So there's a couple of things here with the way Tessa Dare plays with imagery that really responds to me. Yes. That, well, that I really respond to. Uh, one is she's presented as angelic and virginal, and clearly he works with fire and flame. And mm-hmm. uh, he's also a heathen for the purposes of the times. He's a blasphemer. Mm-hmm. And so that, like, image of this perceived virginal paragon who's not quite so virginal in, like, the bowels of hell fire worked with me specifically but two there's this bruce springsteen line it's the song for you and the lyric is talking about a girl he's in love with and he tells her point blank it's not your lungs this time it's your heart that holds your fate Mm -hmm. and i always really love that line and i thought of that a lot through the song because i'm also asthmatic yeah and i think like this idea that this illness of the lungs has governed so much of your existence Mm -hmm. And in this line, it's in this book, it's taken literally like she's used her illness and her lungs as a reason not to live. Yes. And she's literally forced. But rather than him telling it to her, it's her sister who says it. Yeah. And she's forced to confront her own willingness to buy into her perceived fragility and forced to overcome that independently. And he's the way she chooses to like mark her independence, which mm-hmm. I loved. Yeah. I also really liked, so I think this, I was expecting this novella to go a different way. So the okay. entire book, they have been preparing for this, this theatrical performance at um, a nearby Pierce place. So it's, it's um, what's his name's, it's Evanston, Eving, Eving. Yeah, it's Kate's. Um, Evermore. From, no, Evermore's yeah. the rat. <laughs> it's um, Kate's half cousin. Half cousin from A Lady by Midnight. Or I guess cousin. Cousin. There's no such thing as a half cousin. Yeah. Cousin. Anyway, <laughs> it's Kate's cousin, Kate, who we met in A Lady by Midnight with Corporal Thorne, who again. God, like Tessa Dare just like writes these like amazing guys, doesn't she? Oh my this god. <laughs> series is mind blowing. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> okay. Everyone okay. read all of it. Yeah. Okay. So they're preparing for this um these theatrics. So they're gonna be doing the life of Saint Ursula or whatever, right? Life and the martyr martyrdom of Saint Ursula. And Aaron's invited, he's like gonna go, and so they're they're setting it up for it to be like a uh, grand gesture at the. He's gonna ask her 
highest ranking male relative, her brother-in-law for her hands and like mm-hmm. admit that they've been together and this whole like dramatic thing. Yeah. Or like she's doing the theatrics and then he like interrupts it to, do, you know, I, that's what I was expecting. I was totally expecting that to happen and it did not. She doesn't even go to the theatrics. And I actually really liked it because yes. it, look, this is a novella that took like what an hour to read at most, you know, at most. Yeah. And for a novella to be able to surprise me on a structural level, I was like, whoa, that was really well done. Like, yeah. I don't go into a novella even necessarily wanting it to surprise me. But I was just, wow, I was very wowed by it. <laughs> I will say but that. But it was also great because right. not only was it narratively surprising, it was also character building. Yes. Like, there was a point to it in the text. He promised her he'd go to the show but someone in the town needed his services and it was an emergency. And his thought was like, I know this is going to disappoint her. I know I'm going to have to make up for it, but like fundamentally I can't shirk my duty. Like the repercussions for me not doing this are way worse than just somebody being disappointed. Well, and also she has to learn. He's not thinking this. He's not like she's got to learn a lesson, but he's thinking, he is thinking to himself, well, if, if she, if we are to have a future, then she has to know that this is my life and this is very important. Right. And the beautiful thing about something that in a a different book might have been a conflict Mm -hmm. instead, rather than it being a discussion they have to have, she's immediately understanding and that's represented in the text. And that's sort of the defining thing for him. Like, Oh wait, I didn't have to explain to her that this was my job and this is important. And these are the decisions I have to make. She just got it intrinsically without me ever having to say it. She knew. She heard, oh, this happened. She knew right away, oh, I'm not going to be able to come. Right. And she came to see me instead. Yep. Uh, Okay. So I think we had different feelings about the ending. We did. Um, Yeah. So they have a lot of hot sex and fall in love. Spoiler alert. And... The subplot in this novella is that weird trinkets have been disappearing. Yes. Of varying value. It's not like only like somebody's thimble disappears, someone's vinaigrette disappears, but jewelry is also disappearing. And obviously the A plot is Diana having a tryst with Aaron. Right. And so at this point, I don't think we can talk about this without spoilers. So spoilers abound from here on out. But it turns out there's also a woman in Spindle Cove who has been sent there by her parents because she was obsessed with an inappropriate gentleman, or so they all believe. And they're not sure if she was obsessed with an inappropriate guy or if she's invented the inappropriate guy. Right. And either way, they kind of all pity her. Well, it turns out in the end that she's been in love with a rat the whole time, and the rat has been the entity stealing all the baubles right (laughs) I hated it I thought it was hilarious (laughs) I mean I was like this is this is my tessadere ending (laughs) this was was a tessadere ending that like sort of brought the whole thing down for me like don't get me wrong I love this and I'm gonna reread it but like not only was I like, okay, sorry, so this woman's been obsessed with a rat the whole time, uh-huh. but 
this is the part that gets very spoilery. She's accused of being the thief because she was the only person to stay home the night of the theatrical event. Mm-hmm. Let reader know she was with Aaron, sexing his brain out the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so... And you know it because you're present for that. Yeah, you get that full experience. Oh. Um, but so she goes to Aaron and she's like, hey, I am going to be charged with this if we don't go public with the fact that I was here. He was like, please think about this. You know you're innocent. I know you're innocent. Like, they're not going to be able to charge you with anything. I have to live in this town. You want to live in this town for the rest of your life. Like, do you really want to start off with scandal? And she's like, yes, I do. I want, look, she's like, yeah, I want everyone to know that I was boning your brains out last night. Yeah. And so she takes it as, like, he is willing to watch her deal with the legal repercussions of this accusation rather than admit he was with her. So he's like, shit, that's not what I wanted. So he runs to the scene of the crime to like make his grand confession, but then the rats revealed. And so neither of them have to own up to what they were doing. Well, and I'm going to be honest. I like love this part because I did not. she, no, she goes, cause she goes, I was with, I was with Mr. Dawes last night. And then, um, the innkeeper was like, oh, yeah, of course she was with Mr. Dawes. She was helping him set the bone. That's what she does. Like, she she helps him out. She's like, guys, don't you get it? We were fucking. We were having really hot sex. Like, doesn't anyone believe me? And they're but like, no one believes says. her. And, but I just, I also don't get, because his point was really valid, right? Like, Spindle Cove is a retreat for spinsters. If they ruin the town's reputation, there are like long-term consequences for everyone there. He made all these really valid points that I bought into, and I get why this was supposed to be a grand gesture, but when they realized they didn't need to make it, why didn't he just propose and then they'd get married and it still would have been fine? Like the jeopardizing the town was an unnecessary plot point. I don't care either way because Lane, this town was in no way jeopardized because it's a no, fake town. Like, so you just, know, <laughs> it was it was like a weird tonal shift, Tessadere ending. And fifty percent of the time, I love them, and fifty percent of the time, I'm like, really. Anyway, I loved this one. I happened to just love it. I just, it was like so ridiculous, and I loved it. So I will uh, say that nothing offended me. Nothing. Thanks, Tessa. Thank you, Tessa. I love you, Tessa. Nothing. Um, this book is so fucking sexy. Okay, you guys. You guys. First of all, it's sexy because he lets her be master of her own ship. Mm-hmm. Like, he teaches her to drive. He knows that they are ill-suited because of their different social class, but he lets her make up her mind about that. He doesn't try to make the decision for her. Mm-hmm. It's, he introduces her to his sister very early. Uh-huh. I love that. A lot of joy. It's so good. <laughs> Guys, we, we really liked it, obviously. But then when they do finally hook up, it is earth shattering. Israel. And hell shattering. Anvil shattering. There are literal flames. There are literal flames. I, okay, so the first time, and okay, yes, this does totally fall into the he's a big guy, big everywhere <laughs> trope, right? I don't hate it. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> um, and he's like, he's like, okay, we, we've got to figure out what to do. I, I just love how he's like, look, have you like masturbated before? And she's like kind of embarrassed, but then she's like, I'm having sex with him. So like, yes, I have, you know? And he's like, good. That's going to make this a lot easier. <laughs> yep. He's like, we need to get you an orgasm. Right. <laughs> She's like, um, that is what has it, to it's like, it's actually, I thought, I thought pretty realistic and also very hot, like defloration scene. Yeah. Just saying. And then the next one, which is the scene that I think we're very, I'm, I'm like trying to think of the right word here. <laughs> like really impressed with. Or just like we're really into scene that struck us speechless. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lane really can't talk anymore, guys. <laughs> um, uh, she goes to see him. Okay, first of all, I love that it's like the middle of the day. So first of all, it's the middle of the day, like literally one or two in the afternoon at the, at the early, at the, yeah, in the just early afternoon. And she's wearing the dress that drives him wild. And it's pouring rain outside. So of course it's sticking to her. Yeah. And she's, I, I don't know. I don't exactly remember how they decide that they're like, we're just going to do it like right here, right now, like in oh. my shop. That's interesting. Open. So she um, shows up and she's freezing from the rain. Right. Yeah. She's like, heat me up. And so he, she wants to get closer to the fire, but he has been working all day. So the ground is covered in soot and ash. And so, so are his hands. Yeah. So he um, tells her to put her arms around his neck and without his hands touching her, he carries her to the anvil, which is right in front of the fire for her to sit and warm up but then she doesn't let go yeah and he's he tries very hard not to touch her with his dirty hands and succeeds until she does not want him to yeah there's also a lot his mouth does before that <laughs> It's just very good. It's really good. Yeah. And then what he does afterward. Yeah. Yep. Is just a pure display of sexual brute force. Uh, it, it made me think of that Elizabeth Hoyt book, Darling Beast. Yep. Remember? I mean, how can you forget? No, it's seared into my brain. Um, uh -huh. uh, anyway, yeah. it's very good. You might, you might say branded. To go uh, further with the blacksmithy yeah. metaphors. <laughs> it's just for a novella, this has the time to be exceedingly explicit. Yeah, I mean it's 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 very much it's very much a female fantasy as well, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's every, it's, she's seen for the first time, she's given autonomy, she's, 
she develops the courage herself to stand up for what he she wants and he supports her in it. They are faced with actual adversity, but it never seems like an insurmountable obstacle because it's not. Yeah. Like it's not given power it shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend this book. This yeah. novella. It'll take you like an hour. Have fun. I mean, guys, I, I feel I, I don't know. Like we just talked about the other Tessa Dare novella, um, His Bride for the Taking. I know basically we just gushed the whole time about how good these books are. Was it she, for the Marquis? That's the full-length novel that we just talked about, but the novella that we just uh, reviewed. Yes, thank you, ago, thank you, thank you. Uh, His Bride for the Taking. I mean, these novellas, she's like such a good, she writes such good novellas. Right, like once again, my only complaint is like, but could there have been more? <laughs> Mostly because, as I've said, most Tessa Dare books have like one really thorough sex scene after all the conflict of the relationship has been yeah. resolved. And clearly in a novella, there's no space for that. We didn't, I don't, we didn't talk about the very, like one of the best parts of this book was at the very end at their wedding. When Lord Payne <gasps> is going to give her away. And she gives herself away. I loved it so so, so much, Lane. I loved it so much. Me too. Uh, I like really, really, really like this novella a lot. It's it was so close to a five star for me. It's like definitely five stars for me. I don't. I I loved the rap. <laughs> I like it. Really, is the ending just went too cheesy for me. I loved it. Give me all the cheese. The rat will take the cheese. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jeez. The cheese stands, stands alone. alone. <laughs> the cheese stands alone. Oh okay. my god. Okay. Clearly we're delirious. Thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> and we'll, we'll see you next time on the next episode of Plot Trust.